Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today we give a little bit of more of an in-depth look at the uh, Patriots' victory in week one over the Miami Dolphins, and we uh, preview their Sunday night football matchup with the Seattle Seahawks for week two. Later on, we're going to talk about some of our favorite uh, seasonal items that come along with autumn. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is O, O, H to the O-V. I used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast for anyone who's happy it's finally fall. Well, not really. My name is Nick Mara, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along with us on our Moving the Goalpost social media as well. They can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. And Newton takes it in for the touchdown. Extending his NFL record with a 59th career rush touchdown. I guess actually because it's not technically fall, it's still summer. First day of fall is what? The 22nd of September, 21st of September, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it will be right when we record the next episode. So it's we're like a week away. Yeah, like what we're looking forward to for fall, like the best things about it. Yeah, honestly, uh, this past Saturday, I had no idea what to wear outside. We've gotten to that point where I'm so confused. I don't know. Do I wear pants? Do I wear shorts? Do I wear a t-shirt? Do I bring a hoodie? Do I, it's like, it's, it's a nice problem to have though. It's a very nice problem to have. We're kind of all over the place where like during the day, I kind of still got my AC on at points. Right. And then like during the night, it's like 50 degrees and I'm like freezing because I got my, my fan blowing directly on me. It's kind of, it's very similar to like living in a desert where it's mm. hotter than normal out during the day and then it's colder than normal out during the night. It's very similar to that. Right. Um, I'll tell you what, who's not living on a desert right now is Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton had himself a pretty decent game on Sunday against Miami and uh, did something that no Patriots quarterback has done ever, which is like, rush for 75 yards or more in an NFL game, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which if you think about it is it's not a lot, but it is a lot because quarterbacks usually don't run unless their name is Lamar Miller. Right. And, uh, but it was nice to see them get off one and oh, and we talked about on our last episode, very briefly, some of our initial thoughts, but I wanted to do a little bit more of like a full breakdown and uh, I think the offensive side of the ball is, is usually easier to talk about than defense, especially if you're playing a team like, like Miami. Um, very power run, very option driven. Not a lot of passes were thrown. 
And that's where I actually want to start off as the passing game. There were some doubts last year about the receiver and core that, that the Patriots had put together for Tom Brady, who, who relies on passing more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Your top receivers are Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers, and then like we were talking about on, on Monday's episode, Devin Asiasi, Ryan Izzo, uh, Dalton Keene was inactive, but he should factor in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you've got some pass catching ability out of uh, James White, Rex Burkhead, JJ Taylor, really pretty much everyone except Sony Michelle. Right. How do you think their passing game is actually going to be, though? Okay. Because to me, it looked okay, but they relied on play action a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I think they put up a stat. I don't know if this was during the game or after the game that uh, it was like eighty percent of their their passes were through play action. Um, and that's just something New England has done pretty frequently, even when Brady was here. But it's going to be a lot more of that, even even with Cam in, in the offense. It's going to be like a revolving door of, yes, we know Julian Edelman's the number one receiver. Yes, we know James White's probably your number two option. After that, who's going to fill in that third role? Nikhil Harry stepped up this week, five receptions for 39 yards. Obviously not a great game, but for the amount of times they threw the ball, I'll take that from, from a guy like him. Sure. You, minus you want to the see, fumble. Minus the fumble, which we got into on Monday. Last episode. Yeah. Um, uh, they, you want to see other guys step up, and they don't have a ton of weapons. That's going to be the problem is, like, Demir Berg, yeah, he's a, a smaller guy who can run in a straight line. Gunner was inactive this past week. Who knows what ends up happening with him? He's obviously a – Defensive back turned wide receiver from all Is accounts. He really? Yeah, he was a defensive back at uh, Bemidji State. He was a uh, defensive back. I yeah. remember hearing something about that. I knew he went to Bemidji, but damn. Yeah, so he, a defensive back turned wide receiver. From all accounts, during quote unquote training camp preseason, he was the only guy getting good separation on this Patriots defense. So oh, I, I don't know if you had have the next guy tabbed as the next Julian Edelman, the next Troy Brown, the next slot guy in that role, but he's got to stay on the field. And then Jacoby Myers, who I don't think he saw the field at all this, this game. I don't think I didn't see him at least. I think I saw him line up, but I definitely didn't see him get a target. Right. And that that's not what you want. He, he was on the field seven times apparently from the snap count list. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he, he got a target at all. So it, it, it's going to be tough for them. It had just been so weird to watch the game with no fans in the stands. It was mm-hmm. funny. I think a reporter asked uh, Belichick, oh, what was this like? Uh, it was pretty unique, but could you compare it to any other experience you've been through in the NFL? And he just goes, practice. Practice. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. It's like, a, it's like a scrimmage, right? Every single game from this point on is going to be sort of like a scrimmage. I actually will say this. <clears throat> It seemed to me as though the NFL was the most normal game without fans mm-hmm. because the emotions of the players were the exact same. Like, right. They acknowledge it's more of a TV show than anything else. Like they're interacting with the cameras. They're still doing their celebrations. They're still, you know, jawing at each other. If anything, I would say that there's more of a, competition or like a rivalry going on 
the field in, in all of these games, but especially the Patriots Dolphins game. I mean, we talked very, very briefly about uh, the end of the game, a little scrum skirmish that happened where uh, keep to leave was, pl- I mean, uh, <laughs> he did get his chain snatched though. It did he like, did. it wasn't cause Cam Newton said like, Oh, they were going after my chain. No, 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 no. They broke it. And you right. can see the reaction in his face afterwards. He's like, Oh, you fucking motherfucker. Like he was ready to throw hands. Maybe yeah. probably not. I mean, at least he would, was going to act like it. Right. They, they, on, on Monday on uh, Greg, Greg Hill's show on WEI, they talked to, cause they talked to the starting quarterback every week. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked uh, about, about that, that incident. Um, and Cam Newton said, from where I'm from, that's a disrespect thing. Good thing I went to a good jeweler and got the credentials. Yeah. They didn't do too much damage. It's a chain that has all my children and their birthstone. So it's like at least a chain that means something to him. Like, that's a big chain. Right. And you have yeah. seven kids. Right. That's a lot. I mean, I saw him on the field during <laughs> like it was huge, and you it could was. obviously you could obviously see it on pretty much every play. He, um, here's here's the only thing though, if you watch the video again, before the chain gets snatched, mm-hmm. very clearly jawing. I'd like to know what he said before I totally take all the blame off of his shoulders. Cam Newton's likes likes to chirp, like he likes to chirp. He was chirping all day. And the mm-hmm. fucking first down celebrations with nobody in the stands was great. I, I was that. there for it, it the like, entire day. It was like, you know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen that video of, I forget who they're playing. It might be like Baltimore or Denver. This is back when, um, like the early 2010s, when there's a fumble and they're fighting for the fumble and fucking Brandon Spikes is doing like the worm transition <laughs> yeah. into the first into the first down. down. I love that. Play. And they're still fighting for the ball. It's like <laughs> I got a kick out of that. But yeah, that's what it reminded me. That's what Cam Newton reminded me of. But he's um, gonna bring the energy and that's what we all knew. Like from the first drive the first time they scored, as I was sitting here with, with my friends, I was like, what are the chances that because I think they were on they were inside the ten. I said, what are the chances that Cam just keeps this and goes into the end zone? It's that same play, yep. run right in. I was like, this is what their offense is going to be. Like, you're going to get in close. Like, Sony Michelle's time will come eventually, but you have a, a bulldozer at quarterback. You're going to use him in every opportunity you can, and he's going to succeed in most of those battles. It was interesting, his second rushing touchdown, I saw on Twitter there was someone put it next to Jacoby Brissett's rushing touchdown against Was it Houston? Houston? Yeah. Um, and they looked very similar. Even though uh, Jacoby Brissett was from further out, it was mm. like a very similar play um, with a boot to, to the side. Yeah. And, uh, well, if you, at, if you look exciting. at the personnel, I remember the personnel on the field at that time. They had an extra offensive lineman as an eligible receiver at tight end, two mm-hmm. tight ends, uh, now I've got to do the math in my head. So five offensive linemen, six offensive linemen. <laughs> they had seven offensive linemen out, actually. They brought yep. out two extra offensive linemen. So seven, two tight ends is nine, the quarterback and the running back. What's he going to do? He's not going to throw the ball. Right. Like, he's obviously going to run it. But, um, but yeah, there, there, there was one moment in the game yesterday that I did recognize the difference between Cam Newton and other quarterbacks that have played in New England. And it's, it's mainly Brady and a little bit of Garoppolo. There was a sequence in 
either the first or second quarter, it was definitely in the first half, where you could clearly tell that there was going to be a weak side blitz coming off the edge. And they ended up mm-hmm. going through like the, uh, the B gap. And it might have been Van Noy that penetrated through the offensive line. And it was going to be a play action pass. And uh, Camp didn't recognize it. He didn't recognize where the pressure was coming from. Goes into the play, delivers the play action, fake, and his back is to the rusher and just gets absolutely smothered. Right. That's something that hopefully, and the announcers were talking about it. By the way, why were Jim Nance and Tony Romo doing the Patriots-Dolphins game? Was that the, like, the best game CBS had this week? Uh, I guess it's just like still the Patriots thing. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't expect it to be their best, the best game that they would have, but I, 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 I think I Tony Romo's that. so overrated. Um, I just sounded like Kermit the Frog there. <laughs> um, he just never stops talking. He doesn't stop talking. That's a good point. Like, but I just like, I want to hear... For the most part, pretty good. Oh, no! I just want to hear... Like the sometimes I just want to hear the game. Sometimes I would rather hear Jim Nance say things, but he's like the things that Tony Romo says, they're just reactions. They're just exactly like what you were doing. The oh, the, oh no, Jim, what's go what's going on? Even though like that's exactly what happens every time Tony Romo is calling a, a single game, and it's just it's too much. Like I want to hear the game a little bit. I want to hear if there was crowd noise. I'd want to hear that. I want to hear what's going on in the field. I want to hear signal calls. I, I don't I, like. There's just a time to talk and there's a time to like let the game breathe. And he just yeah. doesn't have that. Yeah. He, uh, I missed the majority of what you said because I kicked the cord out of my headphones and was trying to I plug it that. back in. Uh, so yeah, if there's any like audio issues that you hear, I think I screamed. <laughs> I, so. I heard you go, Oh no. And I, took <laughs> that and, I, and I put it into my point. So it made sense. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so, but you were saying, like, sometimes you just want to let the game breathe and hear the actual audio. I think if, you know, if, if Romo did what he did with predicting plays and did it less often, like mm. what he did in, in uh, Super Bowl 53, when New England was driving down the field and they finally scored their touchdown, and they ran the same play three straight times with a little added wrinkle or an adjustment or just flipped fields every single time. Right. He notices it the first time. Then he sees the um, formation again, and he realizes, okay, they just kind of like reciprocated the routes. So the outside runners ran a hitch, and then the inside runners ran the curl or whatever it was, just a streak. And then the third time they do it, he actually makes the comment. He was like, this is the third straight time they're going to run this play. Watch and see what they do. All they've done is – that's the kind of cool aspect that I enjoy. I never right. thought of my – I never thought of Tony Romo as this genius quarterback, like I, I always thought he was more of a physical guy. Like his skills were in his ability to throw the ball, not necessarily in reading a defense. He's pretty smart though. Like he, mm-hmm. He's pretty smart. Uh, overrated. Yeah, you could say he's overrated because he's only been doing this for three years, four years, and he's already making like $20 million, million a year. Is it, it's $10 million? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's right in the, that 10 to 15 range. I thought. All right, yeah. Yeah, 20 sounds like too much. But, I mean, it's a hell of a gig. Fuck, where do you work? Like 17 days a year, 20 days a year? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not bad. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to see 
you can get a little bit more familiar with kind of like an audible system or a lot of times you hear they'll call two plays in the huddle and mm-hmm. they'll see what the look is on defense and they'll alert to the second play depending on what the look is that the defense is giving them. I really can't say other than the Sony Michelle touchdown run that he changed the play at the line of scrimmage at all. Right. And again, it's week one and it's Miami and Miami's improved from last year, but you're not talking about the Kansas city chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens. Fuck. You're not even really talking about Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I think Pittsburgh's going to be good this year. Mm-hmm. So Could be. they're, they're going to have to do some different things. They're going to have to be more than just an option team, more than just a read option team. He's going to have to be able to throw the ball for more than 200 yards. Definitely. So um, Miami though, did, did you see anything from Miami that would give you kind of cause for concern about them being a threat down the road, but still in the same year? Like when New England has to travel to Miami later on this year, which is always a very difficult place for the Patriots to play, is that going to be a meaningful game in the standings for both teams? I don't think Miami is going to be a a real threat this season. I I think I had them going like five and eleven or six and ten. I think at the beginning of the season before we started. Um, the real question is going to be: Does Fitzpatrick have his Fitz magic run in him? And and or if they switch, what does Tua look like? Right. Because from what I saw from that offense yesterday, I don't necessarily know if it was the Patriots' defense just being that good, but I like, I don't think they're getting three interceptions against every quarterback. It's just I think Ryan Fitzpatrick made a lot of mistakes that game. Oh, thank you. That reminds me. Adrian Phillips is going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. <laughs> he is. He's he's going to. This, I saw, this... I thought about him when you, I thought about you when he when he made that interception. Holy cow! He's like. I was not expecting that at all. I, 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 in my like post game update, so to speak, I was saying I thought he was just going to be like a special teams guy. He's a really good player. Yeah, that's like, what I'm he's a legitimate about. player. But you have no idea when he's out in San Diego or Los Angeles or whatever, and he's like their third string safety, but like a right. Pro Bowl special teamer. Like you think, okay, he can run in a straight line fast and maybe tackle one guy. Like he was all over the field, like yeah, impact but- player on two levels. That's why when we mentioned on Monday when you were uh, kind of down on Kyle Duggar a little bit, like Adrian Phillips and Terrence Brooks are like two solid safeties that are both in the same position that yeah. Kyle Duggar plays in. So it's it's tough to really get on him when when uh, guys like Phillips are playing 69% of the snaps, nice, and Terrence Brooks <laughs> playing 47% of the snaps. Like it's tough for me to get on a guy like Duggar when, when Phillips is on the field, he's producing. I just, it's the selection that bothers me. It's, it bothered me too. This is exactly what we went 25 years old from Division Two, Lenore Rain. Like, he looked like fucking Jumanji out there playing against kids, <laughs> like children. Like, people that are going to school for, like, art degrees. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to be professional football players. And he was 25 years old! Yep. I, I cannot stress that enough. I can't. He's a grown man. Yeah. Yeah. People are being drafted at the same age as me. That doesn't happen anymore. It never happens. <laughs> it just doesn't. I was doing the math. Let's say that he graduated high school at 18 and started college. 
that means he was in school for seven years. Usually when football players are in school for more than four years, it's because they redshirt or they transfer or whatever. Was he ever even in Division One? No, he was at Lenoran the whole time. Seven I think, years. In I think Division he red. I think he redshirted twice. Oh my god! And now he's in the NFL. Yep, second yeah. round pick. This is what dreams are made of. True. All right, let's look forward to week two. You got a couple of one and zero teams that are going to be facing off against each other in a Super Bowl Forty Nine rematch. Uh, Seattle pretty much took care of Atlanta. Again, I have no idea why Atlanta – I think the spread in that game was like two and a half. I did not think that was going to happen at all. I don't know why people like Atlanta so much. You didn't bet on Atlanta this this week, did you? <laughs> I tried to log into my account, and it said, confirm your phone number by typing it in. So I tried to type it in, and it wouldn't let me. So I, I went to go bet not in this Atlanta. game. I was not betting on Atlanta. Okay. But I went to go bet this week, and it, I couldn't. So they saved me money. Yeah, because I probably would have made some some ridiculous bet. Uh, but, but I, I think Russell Wilson's going to win the MVP this year. I've been saying that I think for the last year or two. But this is going to be the year that he breaks through. They've already given it to Mahomes. They've given it to Lamar Jackson. Drew Brees, I don't think has ever won an MVP, has he? Uh, I'm sure he has. Like in the mid 2000s mid the 2010s maybe i actually don't think he has but he's too old now like they're not just going to be like oh we haven't given one to breeze yet we got to give it to breeze before we can give it to wilson right and i also think wilson's going to have a better season than breeze right especially after what drew breeze looked like in this past game yeah it was not uh not very good but better than the other guy i guess and (laughs) Finally, it seems like Russell Wilson and the Seattle offense have some level of continuity. It's not just him and a bad offensive line and trying to run the ball without Marshawn Lynch. Like, if Chris Carson can stay healthy and can also get you two touchdowns a game, that'd be pretty good. DK Metcalf continues to be a beast. Uh, Did Tyler Lockett play at all, do you know? Eight for 92. There you go. Another young stud receiver that seems to go unnoticed. Every single year, um, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. Seattle's going to be good. I, I picked Seattle to win the division in the NFC West and, and arguably the toughest division in football. And you're going to be tested right away. Very, very fortunate that there's no fans in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I would also say very fortunate that the game's going to be played later in the day. Yeah. Because for New England, it should probably feel a little bit closer to normal playing Mm -hmm. uh, at like five o'clock in the afternoon instead of a a game that would have been played at like, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning for now I'm getting my time zones all messed up. (laughs) It's easier for an East coast team to travel to the West. It's just, it it is. Right. Instead of a feeling like an 11 o'clock game. There you go. 11 o'clock, not one (laughs) o'clock. I was missing a digit. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll feel like a normal game for the Patriots, or at least it should be. Right. I remembered when I was going through the schedule, this was, this was a while back. I had picked all the games. This was, this may have actually been before the, uh, Patriots signed Cam Newton. And then Mm -hmm. I might've made an adjustment. So May 7th, 
this is when I predicted the schedule. This was May 7th, 2020 at 7.43 p.m. <laughs> I kept a note on my phone. Got the receipts. Yeah, I do. Win versus Miami week one. So got that one right. Loss versus Seattle week two. What do you think is going to happen this week? Uh, I also, going back, had predicted the schedule, and I also had them as losing this week. Um, it's, it's just going to be a real tough matchup for them. Seattle can do so many things offensively. You have to account for so many guys. And on top of that, you have to account for Russell Wilson running the ball, which the Patriots can never stop. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a real tough battle for even their stronger side of their team on defense. Um, from an offensive perspective, I'm not super high on Seattle's defense. I think they, got, they have players, but I don't think they're necessarily – obviously they're not what they used to be. And uh, even with the addition of Jamal Adams, I still don't think they're a top defense in the league by any means. Um, but running the ball is going to be a little tough against them as well. So I just think it's a, it's a kind of a bad matchup for the Patriots in general. And again, traveling – across the country to, to, to play in this game. I don't, I just don't see it working out well for new England. Yeah. I, I think the number one problem that the Patriots are going to have on offense is going to be figuring out their matchups mm-hmm. because it seemed like the game against Miami was, that was very, 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 very well planned, like mm-hmm. thought out, like every single thing that they did had a design to it. There really wasn't a whole lot of improvisation. And Cam Newton has the ability to improvise. I think that's one of the things that gets him into trouble sometimes because even though he can do it, he's not always the best at it. Russell Wilson is a beast, an absolute mm-hmm. beast. So you game plan with the idea of, all right, we're going to shut down this side of the field or we're going to shut down that side of the field or we're going to shut down the run or we're going to like take an element out of your opponent's uh, you know, tool belt. What do you do with Seattle? Like, what do you take away? What is your, your emphasis? Are you matching up Stefan Gilmore against Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? You know who actually had a very good game this past week was Joe Juwan. Joe Juwan did a very good job on tight ends. Now, you got Greg Olson, who's out in Seattle now. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to be. So mm-hmm. you take, you know, in theory, you could take a bigger physical corner or just secondary player, defensive back, and put him on DK Metcalf. Metcalf might be able to outrun him, but give him some help over the top. You don't have to make him go one-on-one the entire time. I think right. the matchups are going to be interesting on defense, but how do you slow down Russell Wilson? It, it's going to take a full-on effort to, to slow him down, and I don't know if they have the pieces or – I don't know if it's the pieces, the athleticism. This might be – I'm just thinking about this now. This might be an interesting game as like a – Kyle Duggar, Russell Wilson spy game. Oh my god! Because <laughs> you need like an athletic linebacker oh safety hybrid to at least keep him from running the ball, and and that might be his spot there. Uh, but as far that's as why like, Bill the, got him in the second round <laughs> for this one game against Seattle. Cut him on gonna, Tuesday. They're gonna face a lot of running quarterbacks, and you you're gonna need them. You're gonna need them to keep guys honest. Yeah, and um, it, it, real quick, because you, you did mention how much New England has struggled in the past against mobile quarterbacks, like Josh Allen they've struggled against at times, Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson, obviously. Russell Wilson, they've done a pretty decent job at containing the two times they've played him recently, but 
still it's that ability to move. You, you can't play man defense against a, right. a mobile quarterback. You can't turn your back to him. You do have Cam Newton to help you prepare now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that you have him go out and take snaps on scout team for the defense, but right. the way he plays is going to provide a little bit more of an edge in preparation for Russell Wilson. They're not mm-hmm. the same. Like Wilson's probably more of a, an agile runner, like quick explosiveness that gets right. up to top speed very fast. Cam Newton's just a bully. Like we saw that mm-hmm. all day on Sunday. He's, he's basically taken two, three guys with him down the field. And then he's just giving up his body so that he doesn't get injured, which is definitely, I'll give Belichick the most credit is ingraining or McDaniels, whoever it was ingraining in Newton's brain seems like do not take a big hit. Don't take a big hit because we're fucked without you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fucked. Um, So, but you think that putting a spy on Wilson is probably going to be the best way to contain him. If yeah, if you're gonna run, if you're gonna run a, like I think they're not as good in zone as they are in man, which is kind of how defenses sure. work in general. Um, if you're going to run man successfully, you need to make sure that Russell Wilson doesn't escape the pocket, doesn't escape and improvise and do the things he does. And again, he's not a pure runner like Lamar Jackson, but he's able to get outside the pocket and make things happen. Right. Um, sometimes that is running the ball. Sometimes that's just finding a spot where he can set his feet and throw. Um, so having a guy like that who is a pretty solid tackler could be there. Um, and then from a, a coverage standpoint, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to do with a guy like Stephon Gilmore and how they match up with the wide receivers. I think I think Joan being on DK could be interesting. Obviously. With this, with this bigger body type, maybe jamming him off the line, doing something to, help, to slow him down a little bit. And then from there, you have the ability to make a decision on do you put uh, – Tyler, Tyler Lockett's kind of like a – he is he's, an outside I would say receiver, but he has like a skill set of a slot receiver. Yeah, 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 Right. He's an outside receiver but has a skill set of a slot. So do you put Jonathan Jones on him or do you go ride J.C. Jackson? You have Stephon Gilmore. Their secondary is so deep that they can have so many things that they can do. That's even without mentioning, uh, mentioning Jason McCourty. Or who, Devin McCourty. Right. Who played – Jason McCourty played 74% of the snaps this past week. So Did he really? Yeah. They, they have the ability to do a little bit of everything. And, oh, I didn't and even notice that. It's, it's still going to be a lot to slow down Russell Wilson because of, again, how good he is. But they have the players to make it at least a, a matchup that Seattle has to think about. So I think the past two times that they've played Russell Wilson, I, I really don't remember the 2012 game that well other than it ended in you mad, bro, <laughs> which was the last time the Patriots went out to Seattle. I, um, I'm trying to remember, though. I know for a fact in Super Bowl 49 back in 2014 – their big game plan seemed to be more of that mush rush, that containment, not necessarily having that person in the middle of the defense at the, uh, the second level, so to speak, following him around. It was more about, we're going to set the edge. We're going to make sure that he can't get out of the pocket because Don't he, overcommit. he's really not that type of guy who's going to step up and go through the middle. He's mm-hmm. a rollout guy. He likes to see the field. He likes to get out of the pocket. I mean, he's what, 5'11"? Yeah. So for a lot of times he needs to get out of the pocket just so that he can see the majority of the field. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see if they do something like that 
I'm hoping, I, I really am, I'm hoping that we get to see Uche and Winovich kind of like tag teamed uh, and, and playing off of one another. But right. again, if you, if you do that mush rush thing, it's, it might not play into it. What, um, what did you see out of Anthony Jennings this week? Was, was there any, any highlights I, or anything like that? I was just going back to look at the, uh, the snap counts for Jennings. He only played on nine snaps this week. More than Kyle Duggar. That it is uh, two less than Kyle Duggar. No, Kyle Duggar only played seven snaps. No, 11. 11 snaps. Um, Anthony Jennings. Snap counter that you've. <laughs> Mike Reese. Uh, Mike Reese has them. He's pretty good at his job. He is pretty good. Um, I just. My thing about Anthony Jennings watching him when they drafted him, watching like some of the tape that he has, he doesn't really have any pass rush moves. He kind of just goes. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like, he doesn't have like a swim move. Doesn't have like a spin move. He's just a bull rush guy. Right. He's kind of just there. And like, he got a lot of his production because like he was just faster than the tackle. And when you adjust to NFL speed, maybe that doesn't play in as much. Um, Whereas Uche has a mix of, of rush moves that he can use to, to do a little bit more. Um, So I, I mean, I wasn't overly impressed with Anthony Jennings coming out. Again, only nine plays. Maybe it's just a rookie thing. They're keeping all of their, their young guys. Um, they're, they're keeping them all in check for the first couple weeks at least mm-hmm. to get them acclimated to the NFL, get them acclimated to the experience. We all know Belichick's really big on preparation. for. They had a practice for what it was going to be like on game day. Like They even took a halftime break and TV timeouts and everything. So they want to get adjusted to everything. So maybe that's part of their plan. Um, but I, I didn't see anything specific from Anthony Jennings. I'm going to go back and watch the game a couple more times this week um, and watch on the coach's film as well to see if I can see anything specific. Um, Ooh, you but, pull up the all 22. Yeah, I, I have the all 22. Oh, Mike. I love it. <laughs> you got to, you got to be able to watch on different aspects, man. That's fantastic. I, I wouldn't have a problem watching all 22 film for an entire game, like <laughs> live game. It, it is very fun, especially because like they show it, they show each play a couple times, so you get to actually see everything going on. You can yeah. break down on each individual player. Plus, again, you can see the entire secondary, so you can see what guys are doing instead of, I mean, sometimes they're just off your screen when you're watching on on the the broadcast film. And that that was kind of the biggest thing with the Patriots last year was their offense, their receiving core could not create separation. So, I don't think that they all of a sudden created separation yesterday. Again, mm-hmm. it was just. It was a lot of running plays. You, you had the, um, the Edelman reception over the middle of the field. You had the Izzo reception over the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. You had a couple of like pseudo screen passes. There really wasn't, wasn't a lot of, of need for, for separation. But, I mean, you're going to tell me that Tom Brady would have been happy with 19 pass attempts, 155 yards, no touchdowns? No, certainly not. So, I think um, it's going to be a good game, though. Do you have any predictions as far as final score or anything? Let's actually, let's see if they have any lines up available. What are your expectations for Seattle's running game? Chris Carson did score two touchdowns last week. Um, How do you think New England is going to handle him? Because they did a pretty good job against Miami's running backs, although they don't really have that stud go-to guy like Seattle in theory does. 
Right. And Chris Carson's touchdowns were all were both pa- uh, receiving touchdowns, which is going to be the interesting thing to see how they play that this week. That's another situation where you're looking for that athletic linebacker safety type guy to fill in that role. And they, they have a couple guys who are able to do it, especially with the fact that they have so many DBs who are able to do so many things well. Maybe that's a job for Terrence Brooks or a guy like Adrian Phillips or, again, a guy like Kyle Duggar. That's going to be something that they need to focus on. They didn't really run the ball all too much in this game against Atlanta. I think in total they, they ran the ball like 19 times across like five or six different players. So you haven't really seen their, their run game in full. But Chris Carson out of the backfield is going to be a problem. I want to say his two touchdowns were screen passes. I know at least one of them was. Um, so it's going to be about recognizing that screen early and getting down. And that's where you're going to miss a guy like Dante Hightower, who's able to um, kind of adjust as quickly as they can and recognize something before it, before it happens. Um, and the Patriots have in the past, haven't been great against stopping um, the screen passes. And hopefully this, this year with, with some younger, more athletic guys, maybe they're able to get after it a little bit more, but Carson's going to give them a lot to, lot to handle this week. Yeah, it was definitely – I was pleasantly surprised with the Patriots' front seven yesterday. Uh, well, not yesterday, in, in, in their game against Miami. Mm. And would, would probably say that there's still room for improvement. Would definitely say that there's still room for improvement. The line, by the way, opening up, Patriots are plus four. So, <sighs> damn, that's like the perfect line. Because typically you get three points for being at home. Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying this is a one possession game. Over under yeah. set at 44. So fairly low scoring, tight game. That's what we're going to get. That's, def- that, that, that's pretty much exactly what I expected. I would um, imagine that's going to be a, a 20 to 27 game, 2024, 20, something like that. Um, it, and it's going to be a close one. They're going to be a lot of. It's going to be a lot of matchups for the coaches to really decide this game. And, uh, I mean, I would like to say that the Patriots have the advantage in the coaching department over Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll's not a slouch. He's, he's still good, uh, even at his uh, advanced age, I'd say. Yes, um, I th- yeah, I, I think that after one week without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick definitely showed himself as uh, still – the guy, still the guy, like yeah, he's still the best coach in the game. Is gonna get the most out of his players. Um, McDaniel's, I don't know. I'm kind of hot and cold on him. I always am. I think that sometimes he just gets too creative. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, all you have to do is fucking send out 21 personnel and just run down the throat. You don't need to be create. Like, I don't know. It, it, inopportune play calling sometimes he's um hopefully not the coach of the future (laughs) so we're both taking seattle though are the patriots going to cover the spread at least we said it was four yep i don't think so i think they lose by a touchdown okay i don't know i'm gonna wait to make my pick (laughs) <laughs> but I'll say that I think I take Seattle on the money line. They are minus 200. So maybe, maybe we start putting out our picks uh, like Sunday morning or late Saturday or something. Oh yeah. I'm definitely interested in doing that. 
would absolutely do that. I've been keeping track. I'm three, two, and one in my last six bets. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Up, like three units almost. <laughs> uh, all right. So Sunday night football, 820 kickoff, NBC, Patriots, Seahawks, Super Bowl 49 rematch, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. What more could you want? It's peak excitement for me. I'm already ready for it. I'm already thinking about it. It was my it was my final blow from last week, uh, from on Monday. I mean, and uh, I'm so glad football's here. Me too. When I feel that chill, smell that fresh cut grass. I'm back in my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys of fall. So, Mike, with the start of the NFL season, um, I'm always reminded of training camp. It's kind of ironic because in training camp, when you go, it's definitely the summer. It feels like the summer. Mm-hmm. There's not even a hint of the fall. And yet, Kenny Chesney's Boys of Fall seems to be like the first song that Belichick plays every <laughs> single practice. So that song's just like ingrained in my head in conjunction with uh, the NFL season. So we're less than a week away from the start of, of fall. Autumn. Do you know anybody that calls it autumn? No, I think you're a pretentious asshole if you call it autumn. Oh, boy. Sorry, guys, <laughs> if you call it autumn. All you autumn callers, like that, that, that's it. Yeah, it's just it's not New England thing. <laughs> or maybe it is. I, don't, I actually don't know who calls it autumn. I've never heard anybody call it autumn. No, on a regular basis. That, that's why I said it, because I don't think we're going to get much disagreement. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but yeah, fall is one of the best seasons. I think it's, my, it's, it's either my favorite season or my second favorite season. I love the winter. I, I just this, I love the winter. It's exactly where I am, too. But the fall comes with so many different traditions and, and sort of events that happen that make it such an enjoyable season. So what I think uh, would be a good idea, you propose this, and I'm, I'm – on board with it. We'll just kind of do like a back and forth, not quite a draft, but just like things that we enjoy about the fall that are unique to the other three seasons that you only experience from, you know, pretty much September, October to November, beginning of December. So Mm -hmm. what's the, what's like the number one thing that you look forward to anytime the fall season comes around? Well, specifically fall apple cider donut season undefeated all right so where do you get your apple cider donuts from so are you a dunkin guy because i got chirped several weeks ago for liking dunkin donuts donuts uh i'm not necessarily anti dunkin but i don't go i don't do they have an apple cider donut they probably do i know they, that they, they must yeah they must yeah. have that um there's a place in in rentham which is not too far from me called the big apple it's an apple orchard and I'm not, I'm not big into the apple picking uh, experience, but they make their own donuts there. I will skip the entire apple picking. I will walk right in, grab myself a bag of apple cider donuts, and get the fuck out of there and go home and eat them all. Maybe I'll do that later today. It's just so good. Like even, even this past week, I wasn't expecting to buy any, and I was at the grocery store buying stuff to make buffalo chicken dip for this weekend for the, yep. for the slate of games. And 
right by the register, they have one of those things in the middle of the aisle. It's like apple cider donuts, two packages for five bucks. And I was like, well, I guess I'm buying some. So I've never <laughs> had an apple cider donut. Oh my God. This it, is this is blasphemy. No, that's well, I'm, I'm glad we're having this discussion and Rentham's <laughs> not that too, not that far from me. Um, so if, if, Big Apple makes really good apple cider, apple cider donuts. I can't even say it. That's how. <laughs> I would absolutely make the trek up to uh, up to rent them. It's like a half hour from me, thirty five minutes or something like that. So I would I would go there and try them. So do they sell them in like half dozens, dozens, or is it sort of like a pick them type thing? Like you go to Dunkin' Donuts and you're like, oh, I'll just have one donut. I believe they sell them by like the bag. I think it's six in a bag. So I think it's a half dozen type thing. So are they um, like regular size donuts or are they like mini donuts almost? I think they're the regular size there. Um, it's, it's been a couple of years since I've been able to have them from the Big Apple. But I think most apple orchards or that type of place that like those type of bakeries will do a very good job I've, I've like i'll say it, i've never had i've never had a apple cider donut that i don't absolutely love like even <laughs> this one that i got from the stop and shop bakery was fantastic <laughs> yeah that, that's that's definitely like a 50 50 play too right so like i was nervous like you don't want to eat like stop and shop brand food all the time or like it's like taking the risk with gas station food almost yeah, but like, yeah. it, it was it was delicious I, uh, that's my favorite thing about fall. You know what? Then I will stay along those lines because now you've got me thinking about food and drink. And I know, I know you're not a pumpkin guy. I know you're not a pumpkin guy. And I know that pumpkins are traditionally winter vegetables, but pumpkin beer is, I enjoy it. I didn't start drinking it until about a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. And my first sort of uh, introduction to it was the 2018 Red Sox postseason run every single every, I'm, t I'm telling you every single game that they played starting from the division series to game five of the world series I was drinking a smash pumpkin shipyard <laughs> it was just like it, it it was it was it was like one of those things that you would look forward to during the day because yeah. you knew what to expect at night and mm -hmm. it's like I wasn't loving it. Like I wasn't, it's not like I was fucking drinking like 12 of them a day, yeah. but it was just sort of like, and, and then when you find out that they sell out like last year, I was the, the beer guy for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess they stopped selling shipyard at like the end of October or very beginning of November. So wow. when it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and you're making a, a liquor store run and you're trying to find, you know, a 12 pack of, of shipyard and they're all out, so you go to another liquor store and they're all out. Then you start thinking to yourself, oh shit, maybe I missed the boat on this. Maybe I shouldn't have made so many false promises, but you got a good buddy of yours. That's, uh, he's not an alcoholic, but <laughs> he had some leftover from, yeah. from a while ago and was willing to make a donation for me. Oh, I was, I was the king of Thanksgiving last year. Mm -hmm. The absolute king of Thanksgiving. So I'm going to say, I'll say shipyard, uh, pumpkin beer or any type of pumpkin beer. That's what I, I like looking forward to that in the fall once it's released, even though it's released in like the beginning of August. Right. People love the pumpkin flavored everything. I, I've never been specifically a pumpkin guy. It's um, just cinnamon. Yeah, it, it is really just cinnamon. It's just cinnamon. <laughs> I, I guess if, like, if they made like a pumpkin 
because again, I'm not a, really a beer guy either. If they made it like a pumpkin cider, I, I would be interested in trying that, like a like an apple cider type thing. Um, I, I would I would be in on it, but uh, I don't know. I just really haven't gotten into the craze. I actually have uh, my friend from this past week at, for for the games left like a six pack just in my fridge, like a, a, an, an empty six pack of shipyard. Oh. Just, just, just right, right on my fridge. Um, so, if so, you're, if you're a cider guy, is there like a go-to fall cider that you kind of like, like to pick out? Yeah, I mean, I haven't tried a whole, a whole lot of them because once I find something that I like, I kind of, I kind of just stick with that. Uh, for me, it's just Angry Orchard Green Apple is mm-hmm. is my go-to every every year. It's, it's got the a little bit of that sour taste that mm. I like in it. Um, it's crisp and it hits out of the bottle, especially it hits well pretty much every time. Ooh, um, I'm getting super excited now. Like I'm going to go get donuts and, and cider. <laughs> like, this is a perfect move. And like the big apple sells, I mean, not alcoholic apple cider, but regular apple cider that you can, you can indulge in as well. So, so what, is the, what is the difference between apple cider and apple juice? I, uh, I feel like there are scientists that might be able to tell me the difference, but I have no idea. Like, I was looking up the ingredients to ranch dressing last week. Mm-hmm. Did you know that ranch is is like, it's not like mayonnaise. It's like milk with like spices in it. Right. That blew my mind. I just typed in difference between apple and it's, I, I typed in difference between A and it cut and it auto completed apple juice versus apple cider. Oh, fucking Google, man. <laughs> They're listening. Uh, We're apple not saying anything that's wrong. Apple cider is made from apples that are washed, cut, and ground into apple mash, um, similar to applesauce. While mm, apple juice okay. undergoes filtration to remove pulp and then is pasteurized to extend its shelf life. Oh yeah, give me the cider then. Yeah, give me the cider because I do so, remember cider being like thicker. All right, so are you a hot cider or a cold cider guy? A cold if, cider. All right. So what's the point? Because I, I don't even know why people would drink hot cider. No, I'm I'm not really sure. Maybe it's just the seasonal thing, and they're cold. Like I, I'm not I'm not wanting to get into the the cold drinks versus hot drinks because of the weather. Like yeah. I'll drink what I want to drink whenever I want to drink it. There and you that's, go, that's, fucking that's, right. <laughs> Let's go. You're not gonna take my drinks from me, <laughs> America. Also, one of my favorite things. Speaking of weather, I'm a big sweatshirt and shorts guy. I am all in on sweatshirts and short season and having it be like fifties to sixties, maybe even, maybe even high forties during the nighttime. That's, that's my perfect season for a, for a big guy like myself who likes to hide in in the sweatshirt, hide in the hoodie. This is, this is the season for me. I am also a huge hoodie guy. Yep. Not, not really like the long sleeve, short sleeve. I'm more of like a, and by long sleeve, short sleeve, I'm referring to like long on top and then shorts on the bottom. I'm yeah. kind of like the opposite. I would prefer to wear like jeans or, or pants of some sort on the bottom and then like short sleeve shirt or just like a mm-hmm. regular long sleeve shirt on the top. But I'm a big hoodie guy. Hoodie season to me, there was one summer. I did it with the intentions of thinning my blood and it worked because I was sweating everywhere I went. So I'm wow. like, all right, I'm going to spend a summer roasting in hooded sweatshirts mm-hmm. and thin my blood so that I stopped sweating so much. And it worked 
But then I found myself in hockey rinks during the winter for like six hours a day, seven hours a day, freezing my ass off. Yeah. It was awful. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not necessarily going to keep wearing hoodies during the summer anymore because it's, it certainly has an effect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Once you get into the fall, I would say probably middle of October becomes real big hoodie season. Like mm-hmm. that's when you start to recognize more of a chill in the air and some frost on the ground. And yeah. Ah, fuck. I was going to say hooded sweatshirts. Well, I'll just not, say not a draft, not a draft. We it's not a draft. Shirts. It's not a draft. Okay. <laughs> I will say, um, I like to wear sweatpants around the house. Yeah. Mm. Cause <laughs> it's like <so> fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big like Sunday guy all day lounging around type thing. And, you know, occasionally I will, during the summer, I'll throw on shorts because either pajama bottoms or or sweatpants, it's just, it's, it's too much. Yeah. But once you get into the fall, you can wear something a little bit more comfortable, keeping Mm -hmm. socks on, wearing socks again. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I haven't worn a Mm -hmm. pair of socks in a very long time. Um, oh God, now I'm just thinking about clothes. What else do you like about the fall? We got to change things up because I'm just going to keep naming wardrobe options. So like the fall to winter, and these are kind of combined for me. I change like my music taste between, between like the summer and then fall to winter is like separate Christmas carols. Yes. And I'm a big Christmas music guy too. Dude, I fucking listen to it all the time. (laughs) We can get it. We can get into that in another episode Mm. of maybe, maybe a draft of the top Christmas songs type thing. Yes. Um, but, like, during the summer, I listen to a lot of, I don't know, like, upbeat. Like, I listen to a lot of country music. I listen to a lot of, like, Elton John. I listen to a lot of Queen. I listen to a lot of things that are going to make me, like, feel happier. And for some reason, when I get into the fall, I get into my, the fall and winter, I get into my real, like, rap or, like, sad R&B music. Like, I don't know. It just hits me differently mm. at different times. It's and the I'm lack in of such sunshine. A yes, it is. It is the seasonal depression as well. This is what I'm really getting into. You should take a multivitamin. I, uh, I probably should. Take a multivitamin. <laughs> you'll, you'll be more upbeat throughout the course of the year. As someone who gets zero exposure to the sun, because as soon as I step outside, I immediately start to burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also doesn't take multivitamins. I would say vitamin D would do the body very well during the yeah. Week. So I, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like I'm always driving around like during the summer, driving around with the windows down, yep. blasting country music, blasting, like I said, like my my 80s, like 80s, 70s and 80s, like just good mood, mood music. I love the Elton John drop, by the way. Not a lot mm-hmm. of people would be manly enough to admit that they listen to Elton John on the regular. I love Elton John. I went to see Rocket Man like the first day it came out. <laughs> so that was the the actual guy, like the actor was singing in it, right? It wasn't like uh, yeah. what's his name where they just took Freddie Mercury's voice. Yeah, that was that was that was uh in the Rocket Man movie was e- Eager Taggerton. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, but that it was it was his actual voice. He sounded I mean, I thought the Rocket Man movie when I first saw it, I was kind of down on it, but I've watched it a couple of times since, and I I think it's I think it's pretty good. I, I just I love his music. I don't know something about it. it's just like always like. Elton always John's a legend. He's an right. absolute legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. When I do candle in the wind, like people start crying. I think, I think we do like a whole episode, just us uh, covering famous songs. <laughs> Elton John, maybe specifically. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I will say another thing that I look forward to during the fall is the, is the, the resumption of uh, TV season, like sitcoms and dramas and things like that. This year is going to be a little different because uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if things are in production or not. We're probably going to get delays. But I, always, I was a big Office fan. So starting around the third week of September uh, would, would coincide with the beginning of the new season of The Office. So I was always looking forward to that. And then it's basically every single week with like a short little break during the winter where you get new content. And it's just mm-hmm. sort of like water cooler talk. That's, that's what happens in the fall with, with football, with sitcoms, dramas, things that are, are kind of like serialized. It's water cooler talk. It's something that you can get up and look forward to talking about the next day at work or in front of your computer in your room in a podcast like we've been doing. It just, there's so much more content out there. There's a lot more going on. Things sort of like shut down during the summer. And the right. fall is, it's almost as much as it's like the plant, this is getting very transcendental now. <laughs> as much as the plant life is dying, it's like the real world is coming back. It's like a rebirth. <laughs> We're gonna be off in the woods. We're gonna be Christopher McCandless going into the wild out here. Fucking Jack Kerouac. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to read that book in high school, but I didn't. Oh, I was also supposed to read and I also did not. <laughs> there was a movie for it though. Yeah, I think I actually I think I saw the movie in school after we were supposed to read the movie. Uh we're supposed to read the book. I didn't. I actually was supposed to read um Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. And instead, I just watched the South Park episode of Pip, <laughs> Pip's own episode for like four straight days. I mean, it's pretty close. It's not the exact same. Like Miss Havisham doesn't try and fucking eat little children in the, in the real story. But, I hope you didn't <laughs> write that down in like one of your assignments or something. <laughs> I may have. We'll move on. No, 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 no. Not, not that he ate, not that she ate children. The benefactor is really the only thing that was consistent. Was that the benefactor was like the homeless guy. Oh, what are you doing on that? Um, but yeah, I think uh, fall's a lot of fun. Fall's, fall might be my favorite season. Fall, winter, it's that end of the year, but kind of like start of the year type thing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right, Mike. So that's going to bring us to another end episode of Moving the Goalposts. But as always, what I like to do is find out what you're looking forward to this week. Michael, what is your final blow? So uh, we're doing a lot of construction at my house. Uh, We're putting in wood floors as we uh, discussed a couple weeks ago. We had to have some technical difficulties going on. and we were cleaning out one of our old desks that has, I mean, everything since I've been born pretty much is in there. Um, and I found a copy of this movie uh, entitled The Making of Madden. What the hell is that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a DVD. Uh, of course. It says, it says it's from 2010, which means I was 15 when I received this. 14, 15. Um, and it's, uh, I guess, about the making of the Madden series. And 
Still in the shrink wrap and everything. As you can see, yep. Still in the case. Never took the plastic wrap off of it or anything. Um, uh, It says, NFL football may be America's greatest game, but the video game that allows you to replicate it to be part of the huddle and live out the rivalries is enjoyed across the world in 45 countries. Um, So I think it's just a history and of of the Madden series and and how they make the game and and make the adjustments in the middle of the seasons and and how they design the players and how they design the plays. I found it and I hadn't seen this since probably the day I got it when I was 14 or 15. And uh, I took it right off the desk and I said – I said to my dad, I said, I'm going to watch this this week. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm excited to watch how they make Madden. I've never really delved, like, dove into the, the secrets of video game making. But, uh, I mean, I've had every Madden since 1999. Um, so uh, I feel like I should know a little bit more on the background of the game that I'm playing. So just out of curiosity, how many minutes long is it? Does it say? Say say minutes long, forty six minutes. So that's not even bad. Oh boy, like I hope ep- you got that. I hope you got that for free. <laughs> that's like one episode of uh, a regular TV show. Yes, without commercials. Without commercials, perfect. Well, I'm actually going to do a little bit of a hybrid final blow. Mm-hmm. Last week, I was introduced to a new uh, musical group that I had never heard of before, but similar to a lot of the other music that I end up liking, had heard the sound, kind of like right. the instrumentals, uh-huh. but just didn't know where it came from. Uh, we shopping at the uh, Time Capsule, my local comic book store last Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And typically the songs that are playing are more like classic rock right. or, you know, like the Who, things like that. And somehow there was this rap song playing that just felt different. Mm-hmm. And I go up to the manager. I'm like, Jeff, I don't know what song was just playing before this one, but that song fucking slaps. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, you've never heard of Run the Jewels? I was like, Run the Jewels. I've never heard of them. So over the last couple of days, I've started listening to like their essentials on like Apple music. Yep. And I think what I'm going to do now is I'm going to just go through their entire discography. Cause I've got mm-hmm. really not that much to do this week other than a little bit of editing and maybe some writing here and there. Yep. But I was, I really liked it. And I started like researching them a little bit and finding out where they came from. And they've collaborated with a lot of different people. Uh, don't know that much about them though. Mm-hmm. So would do awful if was asked any trivia questions about them, but I think I'm going to start becoming a Run the Jewels fan. Little RTJ. There you go. I've uh, I've heard of Run the Jewels. I have never listened to Run the Jewels, um, so maybe we're going to have to maybe we're going to have to dive in with you. They're good. They're pretty good. Maybe uh, maybe we'll play a little soundbite here and there on the podcast. Perfect. Let's get everybody introduced. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it uh, again for the episode today of moving the goalposts as always we we want to make sure that you guys are following along throughout the week interacting with us it's football season we're going to be we sharing our our picks our bets uh any any thoughts that we have we, we want to keep keep collaborating keep creating content throughout the week 
So you can follow us on our social media pages, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me at Nick Mara 94 on both platforms. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? You can still find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala, Instagram, Mike Masala NFL. And always be sure to follow along on the podcast sites as well. Twitter and Instagram at moving the posts. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about my town. I'm going to tell you a big fact.